God, I want to introduce uh, Brother Mark. What a wonderful preacher and teacher of the gospel. He's an excellent friend, and he's just a wonderful man of God. Give it up for Mark this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody give a clap offering for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. You know, I really love this time of the year, if I can get you to be standing just for a little bit longer. Because this is a time where we celebrate Thanksgiving and we prepare ourselves and our families for Christmas. And I like it because it's a time of reflection where we can think about everything that God has done in our lives and also look forward to the new year and everything that God promises or wants to continue to do in our lives. And I just want to take some time out this morning. You know that Wednesday, we a group of people from my work went to volunteer. We partnered with Joy Junction, and we were at the convention center downtown feeding what some people estimated 12 to 1,400 people giving out Thanksgiving meals. And I was blessed that my 16-year-old daughter wanted to go with me. And while we were there preparing to serve the people that would be coming in, uh, they had some gentlemen in orange jumpsuits that many of us are really familiar with uh, from the Central New Mexico Correctional Facility that were serving up the holiday meals. And it was a blessing to me because I took advantage of that to have a conversation with my daughter. And I told her how thankful I was for what God had done in my life. Because it would have been very easy for me to be in that orange jumpsuit. Or it would have been very easy for me to be one of those seated at the table with nowhere to go and no home for Thanksgiving. But because of His goodness and His grace and His mercy... And because of the homes in Victory Outreach and because of the ministry of Victory Outreach, I was able to be there in a different capacity and be able to demonstrate the love and the mercy of God to my 16-year-old daughter. And I know that there's many here this morning that are equally as grateful. When we look back at what God has done in our lives and we look forward to what God will do in our lives, that there's a sense of gratitude for the mercy of Jesus Christ. So can you lift your hands with me this morning? And can we just worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords in this place? And can we just let Him know this morning with one voice how much we love Him? Come on, all over this place, just lift your voice and worship Him. Just start to thank Him for His goodness, His mercy, and His love. Hallelujah. Come on all over this place. Lift your voice. All will see how great, how great is our God. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it with all your heart. How great. Come on, let's sing it one more time. 
start to worship the Lord in this place. Just start to thank Him for everything that He's done in your life. Come on, if He set you free from drugs, alcohol, and a lifestyle of madness, hopelessness, and despair, just lift your voice right now, right there where you're at, and start to worship Him. Start to thank, thank Him. We worship You, Jesus. We give You the glory and the honor and the praise, Lord. For everything that you've done in our lives, God. For setting us free, God. For changing our lives and our circumstance, Lord. We worship you this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, people of God. Lift your voice this morning to worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, continue to worship the Lord in this place this morning. Just with your voice and with all your heart. We worship you, Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful this morning, Lord. We're so thankful for everything that you've done for us, Lord. Hallelujah. Where would we be without you this morning, Lord? We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to do something with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to give the Lord the biggest shout and roar in this place. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're grateful this morning, give the Lord some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Oh, I know we can do better than that because there's some grateful people in victory outreach this morning. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. As you remain standing, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Chapter 23. There's a song that we used to sing. That says, I could try to sing it, but I can't sing and I can't dance. Those are the only two things that can do. Proverbs chapter 23, but the song used to say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. We've been under the influence of a lot of things in our lives, amen? But can't nobody do me like Jesus. Proverbs chapter 23 Verse 7. This is the word of the Lord in the New King James Version. It says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You can be seated this morning. I just want to thank the Lord this morning, amen, for my salvation and the opportunity to be here uh, and share this message that I believe he's placed in my heart. I want to thank Pastor Danny, Sister Barbara, the pastors and ministers of our church for giving me this opportunity. 
And once again, I'd like to thank my wife, who's actually in the children's church, uh, for putting up with me, amen, and helping me put this together. But let me read this one more time. It says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I think we can personalize that verse this morning by saying, For as I think in my heart, so am I. Which leads us into the topic of this morning's message. Are we a people that have a fixed mindset or do we have a mindset for growth? You see, because the Bible clearly here indicates and tells us that whatever we think of ourselves is what we're going to become. Whatever thoughts we have and whatever perception or whatever opinion we have of ourselves is what will be demonstrated in our lives. Now, I chose this morning to use the picture that you see behind me and on the monitors, and it's a picture of an elephant that's tied to a stake. Now, many of us know that an elephant is an extremely powerful animal. In many parts of the country, elephants are used as beasts of burden to haul things, to move trees out of the way, and to carry very heavy loads. So it's interesting to me that a small stake with a little chain is able to uh, uh, confine such a big, powerful animal. So I started reading about this uh, practice that they do to uh, keep the elephants in one place, whether uh, they're being used uh, as beasts of burden or they use them in the circus. They use the same method. And it just so happens that when elephants are taken from the wild when they're little, they're staked with a little rope to a, a stake in the ground. And the elephant, when he's little, he tries to uh, wiggle his way out. He tries to move uh, the stake. He tries to break free. But because he's still little, because he doesn't have the strength of his mother or his father, he's unable to make uh, to loosen the stake and to get free. So year after year, even though the animal is getting bigger and stronger, because when he was little, he was tied to a stake that was immovable. Year after year, regardless of the fact that he's getting bigger and stronger, he believes in his mind that he can't break free. So even though he weighs more than a ton, and even though he could move big objects very easily, he is constrained and he's kept in place by a little stake that if he wanted to, he could very easily be removed and he could be set free. Because, But because in his mind, he's still a little elephant that can't move it, he stays there. And you know what the sad thing about it is? That a lot of us live our lives the same way. The sad thing is that a lot, of, a lot of us, because of our experiences as children and the things that we were taught and the things that we were told that we couldn't do, when we become our, our adults, we find ourselves still thinking like that little child that was told that he could never be anything, that he could never amount to anything, that he could never do big things or achieve any kind of prominence or achieve any kind of success because that's just the way things are for us. Many of us that grew up in alcoholic families or drug 
family members that were involved in drugs or that had been to jail or prison. They grew up in the neighborhood where drugs and gang violence was rampant. We grew up with a mentality that this is as good as it gets. We grew up with a mentality that that's, this is all that life has for me. And we've settled it in our hearts and in our minds that that's as good as it's going to get. So we live our adult lives thinking the same way that we did when we were little children, that there's not a whole lot that we can expect from life. You see, the Bible says that whoever, however you see yourself, that's how you're going to be. Charles Darwin uh, said that the survival of a species is not determined by its strength or by its intelligence. The survival of a species is determined by its ability to adapt or to change. And the same is true for us. The same is true for us even as Christians, that our success is not determined by our own intelligence or even by our own strength, but our willingness to allow God to change us and us to adapt to God's way of thinking instead of our own way of thinking. You see, many times we live our lives where we limit uh, what we think that we can do and what we can accomplish because of limited education or maybe because we grew up poor or maybe because we grew up in a dysfunctional family. But my Bible tells me that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away all, and, and everything becomes new. But you know, we have, a, we have trouble adjusting from the old us to the new person that God wants us to be. We have trouble letting go of everything that we've learned in the past and embracing every new thing that God wants to do in our lives because the old is more familiar and safer than the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. And nowhere in the Bible is it more evident than in the journey or the story of the children of Israel in their exodus out of Egypt. We see that the nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. That is the only life that they ever knew. They were slaves to Pharaoh and uh, to all of his people. They lived a life of slavery and, and etching out a meager existence day after day without any hope without any possibility of their lives ever changing. That's just the way that it was. They grew up in a slave home. They became a slave, and then their children became slaves, and their children's children, generation after generation, that was the only life that they knew. But one day, somebody say one day, God came and called a man by the name of Moses. And he told Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. Because the people, despite the fact that they had been slaves for so long, they cried out to God and they said, God, get us out of this bondage. Get us out of this life that we're living. And God heard their prayers and sent a man to go and lead them out of the bondages of Egypt. Moses went and drew the people out. He got them all together. And God finally made a way for them to escape the bondages of Egypt. And the Bible tells us that as they're on their journey leaving Egypt, they come against the first obstacle in their journey, and that was the Red Sea. 
The Bible says that they get up to the Red Sea that is impassable. They get to the Red Sea where it offers a, a wall or a barrier that they can't cross. And soon after that, the Egyptians, mounted on their chariots, start going after them. And the people started to murmur. They started to complain. And they started to think. They started to say to Moses, we should have stayed in Egypt. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt for us to be buried? We're out here in the wilderness. <clears throat> we can't go forward. We can't go back because we're going to get killed. We're going to get killed by the uh, uh, Egyptians. What are we going to do? Their lives were filled with frustration. They had come up against an immovable barrier. And you know, people that have a fixed mindset, where they think that this is as far as they can go, as this is as good as it gets, when they reach a barrier in their lives, the first thing that we do is we give up. The first time that a problem comes our way, the first time that something happens in our lives where uh, it becomes a challenge or it becomes an obstacle, instead of going forward and fighting through it, we give up and we start to think, man, I shouldn't have never come this way in the first place. I should have never tried to be a Christian. I should have never tried to change my life. Who was I kidding? Who did I think I was going to become? I've been a drug addict all my life. I can't change and we give up because we have a fixed mindset. But you see, in the group of people that were murmuring and complaining, there was a couple of individuals that didn't have the same mindset. The Bible says that Joshua and Caleb... God said of, of Caleb that he had a different spirit. He had a different mentality. He had a different way of thinking, a different way of looking at things. These are the kind of people that have an attitude where it doesn't matter what I have to go through. It doesn't matter what I have to face. It doesn't matter how hard the journey is. I refuse to go back to the lifestyle that I used to live. I refuse to go back to shooting dope. I refuse to go back to drinking alcohol. I refuse to go back to that lifestyle that I used to live because I would rather die a free man than go back to slavery in the world that I used to live in. There are some American patriots in the, in, in the history of the United States. There was one that was quoted as saying, and I can't remember exactly who it was. I'm thinking it's Nathan Hill, but I might be wrong, who said, give me liberty or give me death. What he was saying is, I refuse to be a slave and I'm willing to die free than to go back to being a slave. Emiliano Zapata, the great Mexican revolutionary, said, I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees as a slave because they were willing to give their lives for freedom and for a better life than return back to the kind of life that they used to live. And that needs to be the, the mindset of every man, every woman of God, that it doesn't matter how hard it gets. It doesn't matter what obstacles we face. It doesn't matter what challenges come our way. We're going to continue to move forward in the things of God and to trust God and to move forward because we don't want to go back from where we came from. We know what's back there. And it's nothing but death and destruction, nothing but hopelessness and despair, nothing but poverty and 
destruction. But God is offering us a better life. So it doesn't matter what we have to do. But we're going to get there because we're trusting that God is able to do it. You know, the Bible says that Moses prayed to God. And God told him to lift your hands. And the Bible says that supernaturally the waters parted. And what used to be an impassable and an impossible situation all of a sudden became a possibility. All of a sudden what they thought was an immovable object, God moved it out of the way. All of a sudden when they thought that they had hit a brick wall, God made a path in the, in the river, uh, uh, the, the Red Sea for them to cross over on dry land. Just because they prayed and they trusted in God. And you know that the Bible says that they all crossed over as if it was dry land. Didn't even get no mud on their feet. Didn't even get a fishy smell from walking through. It says that there was walls of water on both sides, but they crossed through the Red Sea and they got to the other side. And as soon as they got to the other side, the Bible says that Pharaoh and his chariots came to follow them and that the ocean closed up and swallowed them up. You see, because the path that God opened up for them was for the children of Israel and not for the Egyptians. You see, because when we face those challenges in our lives, when we get frustrated because we feel that we've hidden a brick wall, when we've exhausted all of our strength, when we've exhausted all of our resource, when we have nothing left to give, it's when we can cry out to God and say, God, I've done everything that I can. I've given all that I can give. I don't have nothing left, God. All I have is you. I need you to work a miracle in my life. I need you to work this out on my behalf have, then we're able to see the supernatural move of God and God in con- God come and make a way for us. Special way for each one of us and each one of our needs. They crossed over on dry land and that enemy that they faced in Egypt, they never had to face them again. I looked at that and I thought about uh, video games. Because you know some of you have them on your phone. Kids have them at home. I have one video I have one video game on my phone that I use whenever there's no Wi-Fi or whatever. You know what I mean? Play it. It's called Wordscapes. And this game gives you a bunch of different letters and you got to make words out of the letters. And after you fill it, has like a jigsaw puzzle. I mean, it has like a crossword puzzle on the top and you fill it in with the words that you make from those letters. And then after you get done with the level, it said, brilliant. I love it when it calls me brilliant. I'll show my wife and I said, I told you I was brilliant. Look. But after every level, it keeps totals of your levels. And once you're at a certain level, you don't go back to the beginning because you've already overcome that level. You've already conquered that level. When the children of Israel went from one side of the Red Sea to the other side of the Red Sea, they never faced the Egyptians ever again because they were done with that level. The problem with us is that we haven't gotten through the first level. Some of us are still stuck on the first level. Some of us are still stuck fighting the same problem that we've had year after year, month after month, 
day after day. We're fighting the same battle over and over and over because we haven't stopped trying to do things under our own strength. We haven't surrendered totally to God and say, God, I can't deal with this anymore. I give it completely over to you. I need you to intervene in my life. We're still trying to take control of our own lives. And because of that, we get stuck in the same level. You ever find yourself fighting the same battle over and over and over and over? And ask yourself, why do I have to keep going through it? It's always the same thing over and over because we haven't surrendered it to God. We haven't crossed or overcome that level. It could be cigarettes. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be jealousy. It could be strife. It could be a number of things. Each one of us knows what we battle. But until we surrender it to God, we will be fighting the same enemy over and over and over. And I want you to know that God wants us to go to the next level. He doesn't want us to fight the same uh, problems that we've been fighting for so long. You know, after they crossed in the Red Sea, they got to the wilderness. And in the wilderness, a whole bunch of stuff jumped off in the wilderness. They got to the wilderness and they started to complain because they didn't have any food. They started complaining. So God sent them manna. Every morning, they'd gather it up, they'd make food, and God gave them enough for the day. And he told them, listen, I just want you to get enough for the day. Don't try to hoard stuff. Don't try to get more than you need. Because when they tried getting more than they needed, the Bible says that it started to grow worms. And it started to smell bad. Because they were thinking with a fixed mindset the same way they used to think in Egypt even though God was trying to do something new in their lives. They were used to being uh, in a place where they never had enough. And now what God was giving them was just enough because he was preparing them to get to more than enough. But before you can get to more than enough, you got to be in a place where you're happy with just enough because you've left where you used to be where it's never enough. And I don't know if some of you have grown up the way I grew up, state-raised, welfare, food stamps, government housing, standing in line with the commodities. That's where we learned to fight as kids. In the commodity line, line, getting the cheese and uh, the pork that didn't have no writing on it. It just said pork with a picture of a pig, peanut butter, powdered milk. And they used to tell us, well, if you use cold water with a powdered milk, it tastes just like milk. No, it doesn't. Put a little sugar in it, it tastes like milk. No, it doesn't. It still tastes like powdered milk. But my mom would take us to stand in line at the commodities, and she'd tell us to use our elbows to make sure that nobody got ahead of us. She'd line us up like if she was... Uh, 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 stacking up a defensive line to make sure that nobody cut ahead of us, make sure that we elbowed people if they try to uh, beat us in place to get the cheese. And you know, some of us grew up like that. I know I'm not the only one. But the thing is, is that we went from a life of never enough where we got to hoard stuff 
because we don't know if we're going to eat tomorrow. God wants to take us to a place where he's giving us just enough so that we can trust him, so that we know that, okay, God, you got me through today. If you got me through today, I know you're going to get me through tomorrow. And if you get me through tomorrow, I know you're going to get me through next week. And if you get me through next week, then I know you're going to get me through the rest of the year, God, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. Help me to learn to trust you with just enough because I want to be prepared to where we get to the place when I got more than enough. The reason some of us aren't there where we're in the land of more than enough because we're not appreciating the just enough. We're not taking care of the just enough. What we do is we hold back on our tithe when things get tough. We, get, we hold back on our offering when things get tough. We hold back from giving to people that are more needy than ourselves because we're looking out just for us. And as long as we're in that place where we're not appreciative of the just enough, we'll never move to the land of more than enough. Let me say that again because I only think three people heard us. When you don't appreciate the land of just enough, you'll never be prepared for the land of more than enough. If we're waiting to win the lottery before we become good givers, if we're, if we're waiting till we get that really good job before we start tithing, if we're waiting till we meet that uh, woman, a single lady with uh, a fat check, before we can start giving and tithing, or you sisters waiting for that knight in shining armor that has a good job, if you're waiting until then to get a good money and to give to the work of the Lord, then you're never going to get to the place where it's more than enough. It's when we appreciate the little things that God is able to give us the big things. Can you say amen? They got to the other side and there they were at the wilderness complaining about all the things uh, that God was trying to give them. So then you know what they started complaining about the food? Say, well, uh, we're tired of eating manna. God, what else is on the menu? So God said, okay, let me show you who I am again. He said, let me give you quail for you guys to eat. You know, as I was reading that, the Bible says that God brought quail from the ocean. Quails don't live in the ocean. They don't swim. They live on land. But God brought quail from an unlikely place. From a place where it never should have been, God brought it from the ocean and he brought it to the seashore. And the Bible says that they were lined up to the right and to the left a whole day's journey full of quails in either direction. From an unlikely source. So the people would go and they'd get the, they'd get the quails and they'd cook them up like once a week or whatever. They had Thanksgiving once a week back then with quail. But God was demonstrating his ability to provide for them. But he wanted them to be appreciative. And do you think that they appreciated it? No. They still complained. And it got to the point where uh, they were there in the wilderness. And Moses went up to the mountain to hear from God. And because these people thought they had better things to do. 
They didn't remember what their life used to be like in Egypt. They didn't remember that probably around that time somebody would be beating them and having them work uh, super hard to build structures for Pharaoh and for Egypt. They started to complain. They said, where's Moses? Why is he taking so long? What's keeping him? Doesn't he know that we have places to go and things to do? Dude, you're in the wilderness. You ain't got nowhere to go. It ain't like you're late for an interview or anything. It's like, wait for the man of God. Be patient. But you see, when we have a fixed mindset, we're fixed on instant gratification. We want everything done now. If it doesn't happen now, we give up. It's not going to happen. God is trying to teach his people patience. And that's what it takes for a growth mindset in our lives. Is we got to be patient and allow God to be God in our lives. Because God does not need our help. He's been God all by himself for a really long time. And he's done a really good job. He wants us to learn to wait on him. To trust him. To depend on him. To know that it is him that he's working it out in our lives instead of us trying to take things into our own hands. So what did they do? They took things into their own hands. They said, let's build us a golden calf. Let's get somebody to take care of this for us. Everybody bring your gold. You see, if they would have just waited, they could have kept their gold. There's a lesson to be learned in that. When we don't wait on God, it costs us more than if we had waited on God. You would have been able to keep that extra feria had you trusted in God. You would have been able to get that come up had you waited on God, had you trusted in God. But when we don't trust in God, we're spending money and valuables unnecessarily. Because God can do more for us than we can do for ourselves. How many of us have gone, had one of those weeks or one of those months where everything just falls apart? It's not one thing, it's another. Car breaks down. Bills are late. Go to the hospital. You're sick. Everything happens all at once. And what's the first thought that comes to our mind? How can I get out of this? Some of us run to payday loans, title loans, trying to get some extra cash to make ends meet instead of getting on our knees and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to wait. Well, I didn't get an amen with that one. Let me say it again. I'm going to wait for you to work this out for me. And it ends up costing more. That $50 loan you took out cost you 150 because we didn't want to wait on God. You know how many people go in debt during the holidays instead of waiting and trusting in God? Because we're in a hurry to do things. Or is that only me? You know, the Bible says that while they were in the wilderness... They sent out a couple of spies to spy out the new land. Imagine, just imagine, I, I want you to think for a minute, the scenario. 
These are people that have never had anything in their lives. The houses that they lived in were not their own. Where they worked, they worked for no money, for minimal, for scraps, just enough to keep them alive so that they could continue to work. That's all that they got. And all of a sudden, they find themselves on the verge of a huge opportunity. A land that the Bible describes that flowed with milk and honey. A prosperous land. Nothing but a bright future ahead of them. Something that they could never imagine in their wildest dreams is what God laid in store for them. So Moses gets 12 spies and he goes, hey, go check out the land and bring back a report and tell us what's going on. So all 12 of them go out. Check it out. They see everything is as God said it is. The Bible says that they even cut down a bunch of grapes. And that bunch of grapes, one bunch of grapes was so big that it took two people, two men to carry it back. Not the kind that you buy at Smith's in a little plastic bag. We're talking about big grapes that two grown men had to carry and they brought it back and said, look, this is what God has in store for us. But then they said, but there's giants in the land. There's all kinds of people there. They live in fortified cities. And then the clincher was, they said, you know what? There was the sons of Anak, giants. And they said, they looked at us like we were grasshoppers. And then they said, and we looked at them like we were grasshoppers. See, it wasn't so bad what the other people thought of them. It was what they thought of themselves. You see, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. What matters is what we think about ourselves. What matters is what kind of a mentality we have. And you know what? Excuse me. What they had settled for when they brought back that report and they said, man, we can't do it. They had settled for living out the rest of their lives as slaves. They came to the realization that we can never be more than slaves. Because the challenges of getting this new life are so great and so overwhelming that there is no way that we can go in and take possession of what God has promised us because we can never be more than a slave. If you can come to the keyboard, please. You see, and I can't help but think and wonder how many times we put ourselves in that same situation. We come to church and we hear of all the great things that God has in store for us. We hear about the blessed life. We hear about God's provision. We hear about God's healing and His deliverance and His restoration. And people testify to what God is doing in their lives. And many of us sit there and say, man, that sounds great. We even clap or we'll stand and say amen. But then when we sit down and we think to ourselves, that will probably never happen to me. That couldn't happen to me. My situation's a little bit more desperate. My, situ- my situation's a little bit more severe. And we limit ourselves to what God has for us because we have a, a fixed mindset on what we used to be instead of what God wants to make us. 
You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Denver, Colorado. I went there for my job. The company I work for has about 194,000 employees. And every year, for the last two years, they have a leadership. They call it Lead Live, where they bring in leaders from every component, every department uh, in, in the corporation. And they bring about 100, 120 at a time. They have 3,000 of their top leaders that they go through that training once a year, 100 at a time. So it goes over like a period of like 30 weeks throughout the year. The first time I went was last year, the first year that it was initiated. And I'll be honest with you, I felt out of place. I went there and I'm in a room with 100 other people. Many of them are vice presidents of divisions, chief financial officers, people that got shirts that probably cost more than everything that I was wearing. And we're all sitting around talking about the business and the direction that it's taking and the things that we need to do to get where uh, they envision our company to be. I was very intimidated. And I thought to myself, like, man, what am I doing here? Less than five years ago, I was in the men's home. Less than five years ago, I walked up, strung out on heroin, strung out on methadone with nothing but the clothes on my back, showed up to the Victor Outreach men's home, and I told Pastor Danny, Pastor, my life is broken. I can't fix it. I need to come back to Jesus. Stayed at the home, allowed God to change my mindset, Allowed God to move in my life, was patient. It wasn't on my 365th day that I said, okay, I'm ready to leave the home. As a matter of fact, when I first went into the home, I, want, I, I had told the pastor, like, I'm just here for restoration. I'm going to be here for four months. Twelve months later, I was still in the home. And I said, pastor, I think that it's time that I go out and I get a job. He goes, hey, can you stay a little bit longer? And I said, sure, Pastor, I'll stay a little bit longer, as long as you need me to. And I stayed an additional four months in the home. Then God opened the door for me to get a job, the only job that I applied for. And I've been with that company ever since. Four years later, I found myself rubbing elbows with vice presidents and uh, uh, presidents of, of divisions in our company. And I look back and I say, thank God for his grace and his mercy, his unlimited favor, his unlimited power, his strength. So this year when I went back, it wasn't the same Mark Garcia. I went in there and I said, you know what? I might not be as educated as these people. I might not have as much money as these people. I'm still probably better looking than these people. But I have one thing in my favor is that I have the favor of God upon my life. And it doesn't matter what I've done in my past. It doesn't matter what crimes I've committed. I'm here because God wants me to be here. I started mingling with all these executives. I started introducing myself. I started telling them who I was and what I did. And I sat down knowing, man, that it was only because of God that I was there. And I didn't limit God to what he was able to do in my life. There was a couple of times when I thought, man, if these people only knew who I used to be. 
I could have made all kinds of feria in that place. But God reeled me back and he goes, you're not that same person anymore. You've been changed, transformed. You don't got to think like that. But just imagine. I started thinking to myself, imagine if when that opportunity came, if I would have had a fixed mindset and said, man, I can't go. I can't work there. I got a criminal background. I don't have the education level that these people have. I shouldn't be here. And that's what we do a lot of times in our lives. We limit what God wants to do in our lives because we depend on our old way of thinking. We depend on what we used to be and the person, the personal experiences that we have in our past instead of trusting and believing that God has so much more for our lives. Do you want more of what God has for you? Do you want more of what God has for you? Are you ready to move from the just enough for today, move into the more than enough, move into the fullness of God's blessings? You know, the sad thing is, there are estimates, and they vary, anywhere from 600,000 people to 6 million people that Moses led out of Egypt. A whole generation of Israelites died in the wilderness because they couldn't believe, they couldn't allow their mind to adapt to everything that God was wanting to do in their lives. Most notably, two individuals, Caleb and Joshua, went into the promised land and received the fullness of God's blessings upon their lives. Two out of potentially six million people. Two out of that many people made it into the promised land and enjoyed the fullness of everything that God had promised them. Why? Because they were willing to change the way that they thought. They were willing to change their mindset from fixed to a mindset of growth and welcome the change that God was doing in their lives to prepare them for a better future. And I believe here this morning that that's exactly what God wants to do in our lives. God has so many promises for us. God has an abundant life that he's promising us. But it's up to us if we're going to be willing to change the way that we think. We opened up with that scripture that says, however you think you are, that's what you're going to be. What's a, what are we thinking? That we can just have a little? Or will you dare to believe God for everything that he has in your life? Are you willing to believe God that he can do everything that he says he can do? Do you believe God that he's able to bless you? That he's able to restore your family? That he's able to set you free? That he's able to give you back your dignity? To be able to give you back your self-respect? Do you believe in your heart that God can do that? Because that's what's going to make the difference. And I'll be honest, we struggle with that. You know why? Because that's all we've ever known. That's how we grew up. That's how our parents grew up. That's how our grandparents grew up. My dad was a career criminal. I'm going to be a career criminal. My family's a bunch of alcoholics. I'm an alcoholic. My family's dysfunctional. My family, my own personal family is going to be dysfunctional. And we settle for that. 
Instead of opening up our hearts and our minds and allowing God to change the way that we think and say to ourselves, it stops now. The curse upon my family stops now. Alcoholism in my family stops now. Drug addiction in my family stops now. Visiting people in prison stops now. There is a new thing that God wants to do in our lives. Our children don't have to go visit us in prison the way we visited our parents in prison. Our children don't have to see us drunk the way we saw our parents drunk. Our children don't have to see us uh, passed out because we're OD'd or have the cops come and take us out of the home because our lives are going to be different because we dare to believe God to do an impossible work in our lives. I want you to stand all over this place this morning. God wants to change the way that we think. To have a growth mindset. Open to everything that God wants to do in our lives. And it can all start for every one of us today. If you're tired of just hearing about the goodness of God. And you want to experience the goodness of God. It all starts with you believing that it can happen to you. It all starts with believing that God's promises are true. It all starts with you believing that God has chosen you, set you apart, pulled you out of the lifestyle that you were living to bring you to a place and give you the opportunity for a brand new life. God gives us that opportunity. The Bible says that he's not a respecter of persons. Every person that walked through the doors of this church this morning has the same opportunity to live that abundant life. But it takes a decision where you tell yourself, I'm tired of thinking the way that I've been thinking. I'm tired of limiting the way that God moves in my life. I'm ready to let go and let God have His way in my life. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to this altar. I want you to come from all over this place and say, God, I need to change my mindset. I need to open up my heart and my mind for everything, God, that you want to do in my life. I want to move, God, from just enough to more than enough in my life, God. Come on, from all over this place. God wants to do a work in our hearts this morning. He wants to renew our minds. Hallelujah. Come on, make your way to this altar. Let the Lord meet you in this place this morning. Hallelujah. If you have a need this morning, just come. Let God meet that need this morning. Hallelujah. If you can use Come on, people of God, help me to pray this morning. Hallelujah. Lift your voice. If you can use anything, Lord, you can.